Today, we are starting a brand new message series called All In. Called All In. And, you know, I remember one time I uh, took him back, turned the TV on, and kind of relaxing, you know, and I turned on ESPN. And ESPN must have been a, a very slow day, sports-wise, because there was no sports, but, but they had the World Series or World Championship Series of poker. And I thought for a minute, I thought that was a little odd. You know, because, first of all, if poker, is that even a sport? You know, and, I, and I'm, it's, just, it's just interesting. I mean, that now athletes, you know, can sit at a table, you know, and, and maybe that's hope for a guy like me, you know, to be on ESPN, you know, if I ever want to go that route, you know. And, uh, and, uh, and maybe there's hope for a guy that has a little bit of a pot belly, that, uh, you know, to make it on ESPN. But I'm just watching this. It's just interesting. When, when you know, poker gets to be on ESPN. And so, you know, and I was about to change the channel, but then they were getting down to the last couple of guys, so I kind of watched for a few minutes. And, 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 and you can see these two guys kind of, you know, down to, finally down to two guys left. And, you know, and they don't know each other's hand, but, you know, the TV kind of show what this person has, you know, the two cars and another person, what he has, and, and, uh, and then you see the chips start to pile in into the middle, and, you know, and there's a couple of raises, and, you know, and the guy calls it, and finally, the guy goes, I'm all in. And I'm, like, watching him push all his chips to the middle of the table. Now I'm interested. I said, whoa. And I wonder, I mean, when the guy goes all in, I mean, he's committed Right? I mean, I was like, man, he put it out. I mean, it is either, you know, put up or shut up. Go big or go home. I mean, I mean, this is it. I mean, he put it all in. And, of course, the ESPN kind of builds the drama, you know, and the other guy, you know, he's trying to, I mean, it's just fascinating. This guy's trying to read the eyes. And I'm like, you know, you know trying to find a, what they call a towel, you know. And, and the other guy, he's still holding on to his chips. You know, does he fold, or does he follow suit and, and, and go all in? And, uh, and uh, he kind of goes on for a couple of minutes. You're like, man, this is the slowest sports ever, but the drama kind of builds, right? The drama's building up. And finally, the guy goes all in. All right, now, okay, they both play out their cards, you know, now they see their hands, they're all in, they're all committed, you know, lots of Lots of chips in the middle. You know, whoever wins, someone's going to win, someone's going to lose at this point. This is it. And, 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 and then, of course, the ESPN, the announcers, you know, I mean, that's a, I mean, it's all built up. And, you know, the dealer goes really slow with the cars. I mean, I to, come on, let's, let's just, you know, let's go. Let's cut the chase and uh, pull it all out there. But he lays it out there, building the drama. And then finally, you know, the last card is put out, and someone lost, and someone won. All in, all in. You know, in the old wild, wild west days, there would be these guys, they would go and play poker in the, in the local saloons and taverns and the old wild west town, and, and, and they would play poker, and, and, and they would, you know, up a notch. Now, when they, you know, when on ESPN, those, those chips, you know, uh, they don't represent their real cash value in their own personal bank account. But in the old wild, wild west, 
when they play poker and they put all their stuff down, they literally went all in with everything they have. They will put the, in fact, they will do the term, and you'll see the title of this message, they will bet the farm. And that was the phrase that they were used in the old wild, wild west. They would bet the farm, or they would bet the ranch. And what they would literally be doing in a poker game is they would pull out out of their pocket the mortgage, the title of their land, or their ranch, or their farm, and they would believe in their hand so much that they were willing to sign the note. And they would put that promissory note the promissory note right into the middle of the table. They were betting their house. They were betting the farm. And they went all in. And that's what they would do, betting everything they have. They would commit everything they've got. They would bet the farm. And I can't think of a, as we kick off this new message series, I, I can't think of a better image of what God is calling us do, right? I mean, have you ever put all your chip, or have you put all your chip in the middle of the table for God? Have you gone all in with God, or, or, or are you holding back? Are you holding back? Is there some part of you that you're just withholding from God? And my prayers for this series, and this is my prayer, is that all of us would go all in for Jesus. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what God can do in a church when everybody in church says, I'm pushing all my chips in the middle for God. I, I, I'm going all in. If you're married, you may understand the principle of going all in. If you're married, if, if you go all in, you understand the principle of going all in with the spouse. Because, and if you don't, then you don't have a great marriage, okay? Let's just be honest. Because marriage is all about going in, going all in for each other. Now, there was a, there was a man who was getting married. He was standing in front at the altar. Everyone's watching. He's standing in front of his bride. The pastor reads the vows. He asked the man, they said, will you take this woman for better or for worse? For richer or for poorer? In sickness or in health? And the man thought he was given a multiple choice. <laughs> and I said, well, Pastor, I'll take uh, better, richer, and health. <laughs> Pastor said, how it works, buddy. You got to go all in. It, you know, all in marriage, it, it, it's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Take it all in. And Jesus here, he demands no less. But the, here's the problem. What Jesus, look, what Jesus is looking for and what the church, I'm, just talk, I'm talking about the capital C church, but what the church oftentimes it's looking for are two different things. Too many churches, they're looking for decisions. 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 Listen, I'm all for decisions. Decisions are important. 
But that's not the end all. Because Jesus, he's looking for disciples. He's looking for more than just a decision. He's looking for disciples. And one of the greatest problems we have in the church is that we've got too many people who have made decisions and very too few people who have become true disciples. And if you're going to go through the motions and live for Jesus half-heartedly, I want you to understand that when you live a half-hearted life, a half-hearted Christian life, then you're going to be missing out because you're holding out. You're holding out. And, and, and you think that by holding out, they're keeping you from missing out. But it's the opposite. The truth is, when you hold out on God, you miss out. And some of us here, we're not, some of you are not experiencing the power, the joy, the intimacy the, 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 that God wants you to experience in a relationship with Him because you're not all in. You're not all in. If you would go all in, your relationship with God would, would change in a radical way. And so my prayers, as we kick off this series, my prayers that this fall will be a great, great season for you, spiritually speaking. My prayers is for you. Whether you have been a Christian for two years or 40 years, that by the end of this season, you will look back and you say that you grew spiritually that you grew in a way that you've never thought possible, but you went all in for Jesus, and it went through, you grew in a powerful and a radical way for God. And I want this so bad for you. I want some of us, some of us were just, you, you, you're missing out. You're playing it safe. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't die on the cross for you to live safe. He died on the cross, he went all in so that you and I could go all in. You know, one of the things that we say all the time at late point is that a growing relationship with God is intentional. It's intentional, not accidental. You're taking note. A growing relationship with God is intentional, not accidental. You're not going to fall into spiritual growth, into spiritual growth by accident. It's not just going to happen out of nowhere. have to be intentional. You have to have a plan. You have to be intentional. It's just like those guys at the table. They are intentional when they go all in. None of them does it by accident. They just do it. They commit, intentionally speaking. And if you want to be godly or just fall, it's not going to happen by accident. And so I want to look here, we open up the scripture, Mark chapter 12, and verse number 30. This is the all-in verse. This is Jesus speaking. And Jesus said this in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Four times. Jesus says, go all in. Put all the chips on the table and be a devoted follower of Jesus. Now, going all in, let's just be honest, not always easy. It's a challenge us. 
That's what the series is going to be. We're gonna, I'm gonna, I, I pray that this series would stretch your faith. But challenge you. Anytime your faith gets stretched, it can get uncomfortable. Right? It can get uncomfortable. I know. Because I'm telling you, it's always safer to stay on the safe side of things. It's always easier to just play, just, just, just go through the motions. But when my faith gets stretched, there, there's pain sometimes involved. It's sometimes uncomfortable. In fact, there's a story in the Bible. I'm telling you, this story right here makes me uncomfortable. After I tell you this quick story, it's going to make you uncomfortable. And the only reason why I'm telling you this story is because it's in the Bible. And I figure if it's in the Bible, then I can, I've got you know, permission to use the story. And I promise you've never heard a preacher tell this story before. In Genesis chapter 11, we're introduced to a man named Abraham. You know Abraham. Some of you grew up singing the song about Abraham. Father Abraham and many sons, many sons and father Abraham. I'm one of them, so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, right hand. You know, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Some of you are doing that, so I, I, you know. If you've never heard that sound, by the way, you are so blessed by God. <laughs> For those of you, you know, <laughs> you have, that sound will be stuck in, the mind, in your mind for the rest of the day. That's my gift to you today, okay? You're welcome. I am so sorry. Don't YouTube if you have it. <laughs> so we'll introduce this guy in Genesis chapter 11, Abraham. And then we see in chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16, God just blessing Abraham. He is blessing him out of his mind. I mean, he could keep filling his cup. And, 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 and so, you know, we see the story unfolding. And in Genesis chapter 17, God is going through the blessing list that he wants to give to Abraham. And I want you to pick up a story because this is where we see some things here. Verse number one, Abram was 99 years old. How old was he? 99. The Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Now Abraham fell face down, and God said to him, God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant to you. My covenant to you that you will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. You have a new name, Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you. The king, there will be kings that will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you're now living as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. So God said to Abraham, listen, I want to bless your thoughts off. I just want to bless you. When we come across something here, and notice what God tells Abraham in verse number nine. God said to Abraham, as for you, 
You must keep my covenant. You and your descendants after you for the generation to come. And Abraham said, yeah, I got that. Okay, I, I will keep your covenant. Now, what is it, God? What is, what is the next step that you want me to take? I, I want the blessing. And this is what God says in verse number 10. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you. The covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Men, can we all agree that this is a difficult next step? I mean, this is a very difficult, uncomfortable next step. There's no surgery. There's no surgical knife. I mean, for a rock, for a knife, they use a rock. No painkiller. Now look at verse 11. By the way, if I'm Abraham, I'm sweating. God said, you, in verse 11, you, how old is Abraham? No, no, no. I don't know why, but anyway. <laughs> you are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. Huh? God, can we just do a handshake? <laughs> you know, fist bump. I mean, come on. Right? And then he said in verse 12, and said, for the generation to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household about with money from a foreigner. God is saying that not only Abraham is to be circumcised, but all the men in the house, the servants and their sons, you have to tell them, guys, now, Moses had to go to these guys and say, hey, guys, um, I just met with God. <laughs> and, uh, this is what God told me to do. And I'm sure these guys are like, are you sure you met with God? <laughs> are, are you crazy? Are you, are you nuts? Now, let me ask you a question. Did Abraham become famous? Yes. Did he become a part of a great nation? Yes. They did it. This happened. They had to go through the pain what was uncomfortable. They had to go all in. They had to go all in. And when we follow Jesus with all of your heart, soul, and mind, and strength, listen, sometimes it can be uncomfortable. Sometimes it can be challenging. Our faith will be stretched. Sometimes God is going to ask you to take a very difficult next step. I want you to look at Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. And, and in Luke chapter 9, Jesus is meeting with the disciples. And, and he's having a conversation with them one-on-one, -on -one, and he asked a question, and uh, I believe in verses uh, 19 and 20 and 21, he asked a question to the disciples. He said, hey, who do you say that I am? And, and, and of course, Peter and the disciples, they were like, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus unrolled something here in verse number 22, and I understand the disciples have not heard this from Jesus yet. This is the first time privately that Jesus is announcing his death. Now for the disciples, they were a little taken back because they, all along, they thought that Jesus was gonna come in and eventually become a political messiah, overthrow Rome, overthrow the emperor, 
and, and establish Israel's reign on earth. And, and they thought that Jesus came to fulfill that prophecy. Well, that's a prophecy that Jesus will fulfill. That's what we just finished talking about in, in time. They thought, they got, they got to confuse of the two comings of Jesus. And they thought, well, Jesus is here. Jesus is going to be this Messiah. And, and, and yet Jesus here in verse number 22 announces his death. He said to them, he said, the son of man must suffer many things. I'm going to be rejected. I will be rejected by the elders the chief priests and the teachers of the law, the most powerful people in Jerusalem. I'm going to be rejected by them. And he said, and he, the son of man, must be killed, and on the third day will be raised to life. Now, Jesus is telling the disciples, the disciples, and I don't think they're taking it too well. You know, for them, this is kind of a shocking moment. Really, Jesus, you're going to die? You're not supposed to die. But Jesus said, I'm going to die, and I'm going to raise again. I'm going to come back from the grave three days later. Now, disciples, they didn't, you know, when Jesus tells them that they were going to tell them that he's going to raise again three days later, I believe the disciples kind of tuned them out. They stopped listening to Jesus when Jesus said he was going to die. <laughs> they were like, you're, going to, you're not going to die? You know, I mean, Peter probably thinking in his mind, no, no way, you're not going to die on my watch. You know, that's not going to happen. But Jesus is prophesying, hey, I'm going to die. It's going to happen. I'm going to be beat up. I'm going to be rejected by the leaders of Jerusalem. And I'm going to die. And I'm going to go all in. I'm going to lay it all down the line. Now, what Jesus is doing is laying the groundwork He's laying that groundwork in verse 22 for what he's about to ask the disciples to do in verse 23 because he says, hey, what I'm going to do in 22, he says, I'm going all in. And what I'm asking you in verse 23 is to go all in too. You see, Jesus is not asking us to do something that he's not willing to do. He did it. He did it. And so we go to verse 23, and this is what Jesus says. He said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. This is all in. An all in verse. You got you to deny themselves. You got to take up your cross daily. You got to follow him. He didn't say pick up your mattress. He said take up your cross. Jesus, hey, Jesus did not ask you to, to commit to a comfortable, comfortable way of life. He said, this can be hard. It can be challenging. And Jesus asked you and me to take difficult next steps. He called us to do it. You see, when Jesus went all the way to the cross to die for us then, he went all in. And the wholehearted Jesus is not interested in half-hearted followers. He's looking for people who are all in. In the verse 22, 23, 24, and 25, Jesus gives us some insight on what an all-in, bread-to-farm disciple looks like. Number one, this is an all-in disciple that's denying themselves. You deny self. If you're taking note, you deny self. Jesus said, whoever wants to be a disciple of mine must deny 
themselves. I mean, this is, this is where discipleship gets demanding. Jesus is saying, there's a cost to following me. Right? There's a cost. And he said, you've got to deny the hardest thing to deny. The hardest thing for you and for me to deny is ourselves. It's ourselves. It's easy to deny things. It's easy to deny pleasures. It's easy to deny other people. But it goes against the very grain of who we are to deny self. Now, let me clarify this. Denying self is not the same as self-denial. Two different ideas. Denying self and self-denial are two different things. Everybody practices self-denial when you give up something or when you give up an activity, when you give up food for a certain reason. But we deny self when we cast everything in and we surrender all that we have, we surrender all that we are and all that we could get and all that we can ever become to follow Jesus. That's denying self. It's not about me. It's all about you. God, whatever you want. How many of us are honest enough to say, God, no, I will serve Jesus. I will obey Jesus. I will honor Jesus as long as it doesn't cost me too much, take me too far, or get me out of my comfort zone. You see what we do? We put limits. We limit God. And when you die, when you deny self, when you deny self, you're removing the limits. You're removing it all. You're taking all the limits down and say, God, it's not about you. It's all about you. Whatever you want, I would die to myself. I would deny myself. We will leave ourselves. We will lose ourselves to follow Jesus. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you got to deny yourself. That means you have to put Jesus before you, above you, ahead of you, instead of you. You've got to get to the point in your life where it's all of Jesus and none of you. An all-in disciple. Here's the second idea. An all-in disciple that Jesus kind of tried to convey here to the disciples. He said, you've got to die to yourself. You've got to die to yourself. He says, whoever wants to be a disciple of mine, you've got to take up your cross daily. He said, you've got to pick up your cross. Now, listen. This part doesn't translate so well for us today. Because we know, looking back, what the cross means. We glorify the cross. And we should, because of what Jesus did for us. Some of us wear a cross. Some of us have a cross in our house. Some of you might have a, you wear a t-shirt, it might have a cross on it. You know, there's the power in the cross. But when Jesus talked about a cross to the disciples, Jesus hadn't died on a cross yet. In fact, the cross was a symbol of death. If you were living in this time period and you saw someone in Jerusalem carrying their cross, you knew that they were about to die. They were about to die. And so Jesus said, hey, you've got to, pick up your cross daily. I'm sure the disciples are like, whoa, daily? What, I got to pick up my cross. And, and to get a true sense of what Jesus is trying to say is that when you take up your cross, it means that you are having a funeral. You're having a funeral. You're, you're putting yourself, 
your ego, your dreams, your desires, your ambitions, and, and, and you put it all in the casket. You put the top on, close the lid, and you bury it. You see, if we're going to follow Jesus, you've got to have your own personal Gethsemane. It's not my will, but yours be done, God. I'm going to die to self. I'm going to die to self for you. You're going to follow Jesus all the way. Notice what Jesus says in verse 24. Whoever wants to save their life, if you're all about holding it in, Jesus said you're going to lose it. You're not going to keep it. You're going to lose it. But then he said, whoever loses their life for me will save it. You know, a, a great preacher named A.W. Tozer, he said it like this. In every man's life, there is a throne. You have a throne in your heart, every one of us here. He said, when self is on the throne, and it's all about you, Christ is on the cross. But when Christ is on the throne of your life, what that means is that self is on the cross. The question is, who's on the throne of your life? Who's on the throne of your heart? Is it you or is it Jesus? All in disciple, Jesus described it number three, uh, devote. That devote yourself. He said, whoever follows me, whoever wants to be a disciple of mine, shall follow me. Now, the word follow means that you submit totally to the authority of the other person. You submit totally. You, you, you're going to follow him wherever that person takes you. I love my wife. And we are two different very people. See, for example, she's a rule follower. I break the rules. Okay, I break the rules. She follows the rules. You know, if there's, if there's a sidewalk that is meant to be walked on, she'll walk the sidewalk. Now, I, if I see a shortcut across a lawn or across a yard that takes me from my destination faster than the sidewalk would take me, I break the rules. I, I walk the lawn. I'm that kid on Halloween. <laughs> I'm that kid. You know, sidewalk. I just, you know, I don't have time, you know. But she'll, she'll, I, I, we'll be walking in the park. You know, park, you're allowed to walk on the grass. Doesn't matter. There's a sidewalk. Karen can be on the sidewalk. I'd be like, hey, Karen, follow me. She's going on the sidewalk. And she'll take Nathan with her. And I said, Abigail, follow me, and Abigail, follow me. <laughs> we'll get to our destination one minute faster than she gets there while we're waiting. All right, so she's not a very good follower, all right, when it comes to following me. That's okay, she's the own woman. Well, Jesus, following him, a total submission, totally submitting your authority to him. And that's what Jesus is calling for me calling for us to do. In fact, he's asking you, when you follow him, when you follow Jesus, to 
He's asking you to give up your right. Well, I got my right. No, but Jesus, you give him your rights. You give him all your rights. You give him all your freedom. You give up all your desires, all your wants, all your ambitions. In other words, following after Jesus means you surrender. You surrender to the person you're following. Now, in our culture, the word surrender is not very popular. But think about it. I mean, surrender implies in our culture, it means that you give up. It means that you're in defeat. You're throwing in the towel. It's over. I, 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 I've lost. That's what it means to surrender. I forfeit. In, in fact, our culture teaches us that if you want to get ahead in life, you've got to win, win, win. That's, the world, that's what the world teaches us, that you never give in, you never give up, that winning is everything, and surrendering is unthinkable. But Jesus teaches us, and here's what Jesus, if you're taking notes, he teaches us that we need to surrender. He teaches us that the only way to victory, the only way to winning in life is to surrender. That's why, that, that's why we struggle with surrender sometimes, because it sounds like we're losing. When Jesus said, no, you're not losing. You're winning. You're winning. That's the victorious Christian life. The only way to victory in the Christian life is surrender. He says in verse 25, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? What is it? You gain everything. You won, but you didn't win in a way that God wants you to win. You see, the bottom line of your life is simply there. You're either going to waste your life by trying to hold on to it, or you're going to invest your life by surrendering to Jesus. Try to hold on to it, you're going to lose it. But if you will lose it to Jesus, you will gain. The famous missionary, Jim Elliott, who died sharing the gospel to the South American Indians, the Aka Indians, he famously said this shortly before he died, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jesus says, you are foolish to try to hold on to what you're never going to keep. One of my favorite stories is um, it's about George Beverly Shea. How many of you know that name? George Beverly Shea. If you, knew, if you know Billy Graham, how many of you know Billy Graham? Uh, most of you heard of Billy Graham. George Beverly Shea was the music minister for Billy Graham. They served in the Billy Graham Crusade for almost 65 years. They lived to be 104 years old. And, and, and he lived he serving God, serving evangelism, traveling the world with Billy Graham until he died in 2013. As a young man in his 20s, way back in the 1930s, he sang on a popular NBC show, uh, like a talent show, and they 
it was so impressive that many of the producers for NBC approached him. Some of the biggest names in music uh, industry approached George Beverly and said, hey, we'd love to sign you to a contract where you can sing you know, for us to make movies. And NBC offered him a, a huge, huge contract. They took that home. They prayed about it. It was very appealing. I'm going to talk about a life of success, a life of, of being rich and famous for the rest of his life. He would be set for life with this contract. And he looked at it, he prayed about it, and knew in his heart of hearts that this was not what God was calling him to do, that he knew that God was calling him to ministry. And he went back to NBC in New York City and declined the contract. They took that same contract and they gave it to a man named Ben Crosby. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. And he became famous. George Beverly Shea came home after turning down the contract and shortly after he turned it down, he wrote a powerful song that he sang and almost every crusade with Billy Graham. And the song was, I'd rather have Jesus. The lyrics, he said, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced. The takeaway, you need to ask yourself the hard question. Are you all in for Jesus? Is there an area in your life that you're holding back? When it comes to church, are you all in? Are you, are you serving? Are you active? Are you faithful at attending? Do you support it financially? Are you all in? How about your marriage? Are you all in? Are you all in? Have you backed the farm? Do you need to say to your spouse again, hey, I am all in with our marriage. Are you all in with your finances? Do you ever put any chips on the table when it comes to financially supporting the church or financially supporting God's kingdom work? Or are you holding back? If you're single, are you all in with your, with your purity and with your sexual purity and your holiness and where you go and what you see and what you hear? Are you all in for Jesus? Some of you might know the story as we close here, the story of a Spanish conqueror named Hernando Cortez. In 1519, he traveled from Spain and landed in Mexico in the Caribbean Sea a little city called Veracruz. When all he, and he was there, you know, he had orders to, to conquer and to colonize that area for Spain. And when they got off the boat and his men all got on the shores, and this is where you might have heard the famous part of the story. When they all got on the shores, Cortez ordered that the ship be burned. They told the men, 
They said, we're either going to win or we're going to die trying. Regardless, we're not going back. See, he went all in. He went all in. My friend, God is calling him to do the same. We got to burn the boat. We got to bet the farm and go all in for Jesus. I pray that this fall, for some of you, that this will be a defining moment in your spiritual growth. You say, you know what? I, I, I'm tired of going through the most. I'm tired of holding back. I'm, I'm ready to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to die to self. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deny myself. And I'm going to devote my life to Christ. God, we ask you to help us today at this a challenge. And maybe there's an area of our lives that you're speaking to in our hearts. We need to give it, we need to, we need to surrender. We need to push it all in for you. God, help us to stop living half-hearted being a half-hearted disciple, but God, help us to be wholehearted, fully devoted followers of you. To follow after Jesus. Help us to not put limits on what, on what you might want us to do. God, help us to remove the limits. And I know, God, it might be hard. God, I know that our faith gets dressed. I know that it can be uncomfortable at times. But God, the life that you want to give us is so much better than a life doing it on our own. That we can live a victorious Christian life, being fully committed to you, going all in, better than the farm. Help us to be intentional in our spiritual growth this season. In Jesus' name, amen.